In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Froen, your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. Happy President's Day to you. I hope you're uh, maybe having a day off and relaxing, uh, celebrating two presidents, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Uh, George Washington's birthday is February 22nd. He would be 292 years old. And Abraham Lincoln, February 12th, 215 years old. I'm not quite that old, but I feel like it some mornings uh, when I wake up. Uh, we are going to the phone lines. We have Shane Spence, uh, Johnsontown Select Board member. Uh, welcome to the show, Shane. Good morning, Brad. Happy Monday, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, Johnson seems to have been more on the map uh, in the last uh, year than, than I remember for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, flooding, prob- probably a primary Um but let's start with um, you're you're on the council. Is that a, a three member council in Johnson or? It's a five member board in Johnson, and uh, so in Johnson we have a town and a village, and we have a five member board for the town and a five member board for the village, um, which the town includes the village as well. So it's a little confusing for some people, but uh, you know we'll get to that later in the conversation, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I am one of five. Yeah, and uh, is this your first term serving, or? This is my first term. I'm coming up on the end of my first year, so. Okay, and, and a very interesting town meeting day for me. Aha! Uh-huh. So how has it been going? Um, and and let's maybe back up. How did you get involved uh, in uh, municipal government? What was your motivation? Yeah, well, I've always been interested in government and especially at the local level uh, being involved. And before I ran for select board here, um, I was involved on various town committees. Uh, I was on the planning commission, the development review board on our town's racial justice committee. Um, So I tried to get involved in any way that I could to make my town a better place. And when um, last year, the longtime chair of the select board, decided that he was stepping down and wouldn't be running for re-election. Um, I decided to run and and fill that seat. So uh, here we are. It has been a very uh, interesting and educational first year. Um, I, I can't say that you know I would have chosen to be on the map for all the reasons that we were on the map. Uh, but um, you know one of the the positives of some of the the negatives that we've seen is seeing the community come together. And, and seeing, you know, the, the humanity that exists out there uh, through those challenging times. And, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's been a real challenge, but also, uh, you know, sort of a, a heartwarming and awakening experience as well. We were talking with uh, Joan Shannon earlier, and um, she was longtime councilwoman, has been, and 
uh, talking about going door to door and all of that. What's it like in rural Vermont when, when you're campaigning? Do you, do you actually go door to door for, for a, a Johnson, uh, select board race or what happens? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I definitely went door to door. Um, I can't say that I knocked on every single door because some of them are, you know, very far out there, but I, the ones I didn't knock on, I either sent a postcard to or I called. Um, I tried to get in touch with everybody, uh, at least once. So, you know, the same as, as anywhere else, you need to get in touch with your neighbors and, and figure out what they're looking for in their elected officials. Um, but, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know, the most important thing out here is is being responsive to people. Um, and when people do have a concern, you know, it might not be a very common thing that people come to you with, with issues. But when they do, you need to, you know, do the, the work of looking into it and, and getting back to them. Um, and that really pays dividends down the road. And you're not running um, for this March election, but do you have a sense of what – those who are running, what the vibe is, what's important to Johnson residents uh, these days? Well, so it's uh, kind of funny. So our chairwoman, um, this is the, the second year in a row that our chair is not running for re-election. Um, so we're going to have uh, an open seat on the board. Um, the way it works, some may know, is we have three-year seats and two-year seats. Um Hers is one of the three-year seats, so one of the people currently in the two-year seat is stepping up into that three-year seat, and that makes the two-year seat open. Well, nobody filed before the filing deadline for that seat, so there's currently a former select board member running for a write-in campaign for re-election to the campaign uh, or to the to the board. So, um, as far as the the you know the vibes of the the campaign, I think really it is. We need people involved in in rural areas, and that is the toughest thing. Uh, the, the biggest challenge I think that exists out here is we've got a lot of different committees that need people. And the longer I've been involved, the more I've seen you know the same faces involved with multiple committees because they are the ones who show up. Um, and it makes it challenging when you know we we are trying to fill a select board uh, to to find five people who are are willing and and really able to put in the commitment for that. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, it's it's tough, I think, for a lot of rural communities in the same way. So public service you, you're obviously advocating for, and, and you stepped up. Uh, so what about, uh, we? when I was talking with Joan also, we're talking about public safety. We, we didn't talk so much about uh, cost of living, but wh- where do those two fit into the the Johnson world? Uh, is there one high much more prevalent than the other, or, or are they both holding space? Well, I think like everywhere else, public safety is a major concern right now. Um, we have seen a lot of the same things that other communities have where, you know, people who are in desperate situations, um, some of them exacerbated by the pandemic and, and, you know, the economic recovery since then, um, they're, they're doing bad things. They're committing crimes. They're stealing. Um, and our court system is so backed up that it's not able to actually deal with the problem the way that it needs to. And so folks end up being let out, waiting for their court date, and they go right back to doing the same thing over and over again. So um, we've got that issue here. 
there is a, a currently a uh, turnover in the state attorney's office, um, and one of the big priorities of the new state's attorney is to focus on that backlog. Um, but you know, it's it's really just a matter of resources and people power. Um, so I, you know, the answer is is a very difficult one, and I, I don't see uh, how we as a town really address that one other than to you know continue supporting our local sheriff's department. Um, as far as cost of living goes, that is another, you know, all-encompassing issue. Um, the big piece of it that I think we can actually have a hand in in, in Johnson is housing, uh, where we sort of have a lot of things, uh, you know, in the state and on uh, the more local level that make it difficult to build housing and to do it at the scale where it really addresses the, the cost of living issues that we're seeing. Um, so, Addressing some of those issues is a big priority of mine, and um, we've got a couple of projects that I think could lead in that direction, but it's a challenge. Is I mean, I often hear on this show with my guests about Act 250, but you're at the, the uh, select board level, but is Act 250 an issue that you, you work with locally? Um, we one of our projects, for example, is a, a project that is large enough to trigger Act 250. Uh, so it is something that we are we have sought permits. Um, we're going to have to get more permits. Um, that process is something that you know I think any any municipality uh, does expect to deal with anytime they do a larger project. But where we might not know the impact is on the private side, where there are people who maybe look at the regulatory framework as it exists and decide not to pursue a project because they decide it would be too expensive or too time-consuming. Um, and we may never know that they were even considering such a project, but they just decided to take it somewhere else. Um, and so that's that's an area where I'm, I'm very concerned that we're kind of leaving things on the table, so to speak, um, and, and where I think we could open things up a little bit and make it easier for folks. We're talking with Shane Spence. He's Johnson Town Select Board member. Uh, we talked earlier, Johnson really got, was one of the towns that really got major hit with the flooding, uh, losing, uh, you know, not losing necessarily buildings, but just total destruction for, for some and a lot of repair for others. Where where are you at now in terms of getting back to whatever somebody might call normal? Yeah, um, recovery is uh, not a really – it's not a linear process, as I'm sure you and many other listeners know, having gone through it over the last couple of months here. Um, there are some places that are further along in the process than others, and some that, you know, I think with the, the slow kind of process of the FEMA buyout uh, – system they're they're kind of waiting and not really sure what to do next um so i know there are folks locally who um you know we just had a, a buyout meeting people are still looking for information on what the next steps are how to get their house on a list uh to be considered for buyout and you know what the the time frame is going to look like um on that note actually the town of johnson just completed a, a buyout of a property that if i'm not mistaken was uh originally flooded back in 2011 so um this is sort of the the scale that we're talking about with some of these these buyout um the, t the time frame involved uh so it's going to be a long time for for some people there are some buildings in johnson that you know while they're still intact now um it may be that they're bought bought out um and it may be that whoever owns them you know doesn't 
really have the resources to put into getting them up to where they need to be to you know be rented out or used again. Um, I can say that all of the municipal property in Johnson is uh, either in the process of being uh, rebuilt or um, you know we, we've we've started the ball rolling on all of that stuff. So it, the municipal stuff is one thing um the private stuff is is another and it really comes down to the private property owners and what their plans are um and i'm sure you know we we can turn to the market next because that is i think one of the the biggest properties in town that people have questions about yeah um one other question on if a prop are some of these properties some of these homes actually headed for for to be condemned and and never be a home again or or how does that work? Well, so all of the condemnation of properties happens uh, very early on in, like, right after the um, the flooding. We had people going around and inspecting homes uh, with the fire wardens. And so if a house was condemned uh, and it is now occupied, it's because the landowner put the work into getting it up to code. Um, there are a lot of places in Johnson that I've seen that used to have, you know, we kind of, in the early days, they either had a uh, yellow notice on it or a red notice on it. And the red notices were the ones that, you know, there was no one was to live in there. The yellow notices were ones where, you know, some improvements needed to be made. Um, and, and over time, those notices started to go away on most of the houses. There are a few houses in Johnson that, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago um, that, the first notices even got taken down because people, I think, you know, there were people that their property was so badly destroyed that it was easier for them to kind of look the other way and wait until they had more answers to deal with it, Um, which is, you know, just a really, really sad thing to think about. Yeah, very frustrating. Uh, News and Citizen uh, editor Tommy Gardner was on this morning he was talking about uh, the old Sterling Market and potential for Shaw's. Is that is that something that is a reality, or is this sort of small town rumor, or what's going on there? You know, I would love to believe that there is a market going in there next week. Um, I think, realistically speaking, uh, it's probably a long road before anyone goes in there, whether it is Shaw's or anybody else. Um, I think uh, there was a. a piece in the News and Citizen last week uh, that talked about Shaw's considering Johnson. And in that piece, Shaw's was very explicit that they've made no commitments to Johnson. Um, so I just want to be very clear with people and not give everyone the wrong idea. Um, there's no commitments for Shaw's or anyone else to come into that space right now. Um, there is a lot of effort being made by uh, Parmelo and uh, others to find somebody to go in there. And whether it's Shaw's or anybody else, I think having a market in that space is vital to the survival of of Johnson as a community. Um, We've lost so many necessary components to a strong community over the last few years. And seeing this market go uh, would would not be very, yeah, it would not be good for our town. Uh, So I know it's a little conjecture now, but is would that be like a whole rebuild if if a Shaw's went in there and a rebuild for the post office or trying to utilize existing existing space or do you know? Um, the 
so we the town have only kind of heard secondhand what uh Palmer Lowe is is hoping to do um what they're saying and I think this is in the news and citizen article what they're saying they'd like to do is build a retaining wall around the building um to I don't know if it would mitigate the worst types of flooding like we saw in July, but for most floods, like the one we saw in December, it would completely mitigate that. So um, that's that's what they are hoping to do. Um, now, the question of whether they can do that is another question uh, because there are floodplain regulations that make it so that any sort of construction in the floodplain has to be matched with mitigation. Um, and so, you know, not knowing specifics of their plan, I can't say whether, you know, they're able to do what they want to or not. Um, all I can say is that it is going to be a long road before any market is in there. And, and I, I do want to be realistic with the people of Johnson about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Town of Johnson, Article 10 uh, for the March 5th uh, ballot is about uh, – you had, you had talked earlier, Shane, about the – you have two different municipal bodies uh, within Johnson. Uh, can you tell us about Article 10? Yeah, so Article 10 is um, – an article, a question to ask both the town on town meeting day and the village on village meeting day to prepare a plan for merger uh, between the two entities. And so this wouldn't be the final question of shall the two merge. Um, before that question is asked of the bo- voters, uh, there is a statutory requirement that the two boards meet and negotiate what that merger would look like and then lay out all of the facts for that final vote, essentially. Um, so for me, uh, where I come at this from, you know, being a select board member, being uh, a village resident, um, as well as obviously a town resident, um, there has always been You know, it seemed to me a little bit of unnecessary overlap between the two entities and that there are some areas of conflict between the two that seem unnecessary. And so I've always sort of leaned towards, you know, why don't we merge? And this would give more information about, you know, why we should or why we shouldn't, right, the pros and cons. And so for me to fully make my mind up, and I think for – any voter to fully make their mind up, having that information laid out in front of me is is very helpful and is almost necessary. So uh, that's what this question would do is get that information and, and basically let the people of Johnson know, you know, is this a good idea or is it not? Um, and then we can make up our minds on, on where to go from there. Um, but for a little history, this question has been kind of percolating for uh, at least uh, the last couple of decades before my time in town, actually. Uh, And so, you know, I know there are some people who are hoping for it to just go away altogether uh, and some people who are hoping for it to, you know, move forward towards what they think is the ultimate resolution. Me, I just want to get the information out there and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, so this will be a scoping study that gives people um, more uh, information to, to move forward with. Really not a, uh, uncommon situation in Vermont. I think about Essex, uh, struggled with that issue for a long, long time. Uh, we have St. Albans City, St. Albans Town, Rutland City, Rutland Town, all these, these, uh, I call it the donut 
uh, sort of geography where the town circles the city. Uh, so you, it, more to come on that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what people are thinking in in March. But, you know, Linden just went down this path a few years ago as well, um, and they're kind of the model that I've been following, um, you know, for us to think about. Right. And and there seems to be more thinking about the economy of scale for regional um, partnership too, I guess. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we have about a minute left here. Is there anything else in Johnson you want to um, – let our listeners hear about that um, it's coming down the pike? Um, you know, I'll just kind of throw out that, uh, you know, along with all of the challenges we faced over the last year, we do have some good news. Um, we did, we hired a new town administrator, uh, Tom Gallinat, who is, you know, a great young person who is helping us uh, get things moving on a bunch of different fronts. Uh, we hired a community and economic development specialist, Randall Zott, uh, who comes from the state level and has a lot of great experience working with grants and is currently working on one grant we have going um, to build out infrastructure for a future light industrial slash commercial park. Um, so, you know, if there's anything I can leave with people, it's that despite all of the challenges we face, there are good things happening in Johnson and there are good people working to make this town a better place and to make it somewhere that, you know, is, is worth being on the map for good reasons and not just all the bad news. Right. And, and you have a, uh, a college in your town too. For now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, I, as much as I love that college, it's the reason I'm in town. Um, the, the, way that things have gone over the last few years has made a lot of people locally very nervous about the future of the college. So um, I, I, I hope for the best there. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking with uh, Shane Spence. Uh, Shane is a uh, select board member in town of Johnson. A lot of challenges, floods and, and everything else, Shane. Uh, we wish you the best with that. And, uh, We'll be looking forward to hearing uh, the night of March 5th about uh, the results. And uh, I just want to thank you for being on the show this morning and uh, giving us a look at small-town Vermont. Thanks for having me, Brad. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV, here in Waterbury, Vermont. We're going to be back right after this with Jack Brigham, St. Albans Town Select Board, and uh, he's up for a two-year seat. Good morning. Welcome back. This is Brad Froen, your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury. Happy President's birthday, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. If we put candles on their cakes, we'd need the fire departments to come in. Uh, they're 292 years old and 215 years old if they were around, uh, but certainly an amazing part of our uh, country's history. We're uh, going to the phone lines. Uh, Jack Brigham, uh, St. Albans Town uh, uh, Select Board, uh, running for a two-year seat, but long-time history. Welcome to the show, Jack. Yeah, thanks. So uh, when I say long-time history, I want to start, though. Um, we, we were in... Burlington this morning with Joan Shannon. Burlington, obviously, the you know largest city in Vermont. We're over in Johnson uh, talking to Shane Spence about uh, 
government over there and they're flooding and stuff. But St. Albans town, really a rural community and rural, your, your career has been mm-hmm. farming and, and, right. uh, and so what was, uh, can you just talk about a little bit about the rural part of St. Albans that, that, and, and what you've done? Well, I've been, I, I live on a family farm that's been in the family for, uh, over 200 years, probably 225 years. Um, I don't know what generation I am, but, uh, yeah, I farmed, uh, dairy farmed here for uh, 43 years, semi-retiring in 2020, sold my herd, um, raising beef cattle now and a few other livestock, chickens and stuff, but uh, main focus now is maple syrup. So, yeah, I started with the town back in, uh, oh boy, I don't even know, Brad. <laughs> Could have been uh, a, early 80s, mid 80s, yeah. uh, on the planning commission and then the development review board. I was a selectman years ago, uh, school board, um, high school board. Back to planning. Now I'm since I'm retired, I have more time, and I'm back to the select board. So uh, want to keep it going. I've been two years since I got reelected, and like to go another two. And you you've been serving as vice chair, I, I believe. Yeah. This. Yep. I have. <coughs> so you've had um, you've held so many positions, as you said, since the early '80s. What was your, we talk on this show, I like to sort of find the apple falls, you know, close to the tree or far from the tree. Were there influences in your life, Jack, that brought you to public service or just did you feel a, a personal need to get involved? Well, uh, if you go back in history and look at a lot of the old town reports dating back to the 1800s and all, there's there's Brigham's and Holyoke's uh <laughs> which is my family, both sides that have served as selectmen and whatever over the years. And I don't know, I I first ran when the select board, uh, they decided to go from three select people to uh, five. And that was my first uh, run at election. And I, I came in out of five candidates. I came in second, but... Uh, uh, that's when I got on the planning commission after that. But yeah, I just, uh, I'd like to, you know, I've lived here all my life, the family has, and I just like to, you know, have a say in how it runs. And how in a more rural town, I, I think St. Albans really has been growing and Franklin County has, how do you sort of keep the pulse of such a large community? Well, uh, speaking of growing, I mean, we were at around 5,000 population when I first started serving. Now I, we're over seven, I believe. We've gone by the city in population. So, you know, there's a, and, and the farms uh, used to be like 
50 to 60 small farms in in uh, St. Albans town alone. I, I think we're down to about six, maybe, and most of them are quite large. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, but uh, it still feels rural because we have a lot of open land, but the population is becoming more uh, urban, and and that requires a different. Uh, uh, they have different needs than than the farmers. So right, and one of the challenges that I've been hearing over the last year with my guests, the chamber, uh, public officials, uh, on and on, is the lack of housing. Um, is is a rural community, Franklin County, St. Albans town, is housing something that's really part of the big picture now do you see that it's going to we're going to continue you said we're going from 5 to 7000 are we still you know on a, a trek to get much higher well i think yeah i think we're going to continue to grow i mean that's a discussion we've been having as a board for the last year or so uh, is you know and talking with uh, tim smith who's uh, not only the mayor of St. Albans City, but the head of the Franklin County Development Association, which uh, have a large industrial park in our town, and we've got extra room there to expand, and, and in conversations with him, part of the problem is, you know, the employers that want to come in can't find help, and there's no place for new people to live right now, and, you know, so that that's kind of uh, holding back it, or will hold back the economy if it keeps going this way. And you talked about being on um, DRB Development Review Board and, and all of the sort of the local commissions mm-hmm. that up do the approval. Act 250 uh, is under scrutiny in the in the legislature. Are, are you seeing that there is a redundancy in Act 250 from the local level or what, where do you feel? Well, uh, I, I can speak to that a little bit because I am a District 6 commissioner up here in District 6 on the Act 250 board. I've been doing that for about 10 years, too. Um, you know, we, I guess it's the mindset of the commissioners um, up here in Franklin, Grand Isle County, uh, in my 10 years or so on the Act 250 board, I don't recall us ever denying any project. I mean, we we try to work with the developer to to get it approved. Where some of the stumbling blocks come in is when it goes to other agencies. Once we've reviewed it, you know, then uh, A&R has to and the water quality and uh, all those other state agencies have to pick away at it and that all takes time and I think we get blamed for for slowing you know having a slow process and, and unreasonable process but I, I don't feel it's that that's the issue yeah we're talking with Jack Brigham this morning St. Albans or yeah St. Albans uh, uh, select board member two years and held a lot of hats and I didn't even know about the district six commission. <laughs> so you've got more hats than we even know. Uh, yeah. And so the, the, 
the challenges, uh, are you looking at sort of housing and is that sort of like a master plan kind of thing or is it really developer driven? Well, it has to be developer driven. I mean, as a town, uh, you know, we really can't get into the private housing business. I mean, we can zone and, and through our uh, zoning, you know, have areas where housing can be built, and and we have those, and we you know try to keep it on the edges of the city where there's water and sewer capacity. Um, but there's also, you know, land that's available for private development uh, away. So, you know, where they have to have their own septic and wells. But it is a conversation we're having, but, there's, you know, the times being what they are, the cost of materials, the cost of land, I mean, it. it you, there's, you know, they talk about affordable housing. I don't know if there's any such thing mm-hmm. in this day and age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Jack Brigham. He is on the St. Albans Town Council. He's running uh, for a two-year seat in the March 5th election. Now, you mentioned the growth of, of St. Albans Town up to, you know, 7,000-plus uh, yeah. residents now up from a couple thousand. The city used to have a higher population in the town. And you also mentioned Tim Smith. There's, you know, there's always sort of talk in Vermont. In fact, in Johnson, they're talking about setting a merger. What's the cooperation these days between the city and the town? What are, what are the positives you're seeing? Well, it's greatly improved. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the last uh, year or so, we've uh, got a uh, contract now with the city for uh, a 10-year police coverage um, and and also uh, water and sewer um, is available to us now at the same uh, terms as the city. So that's that's come a long way, uh, which we've fought over that for years. Also, we're now uh, in the process of, of looking at possibility uh, of uh, fire department cooperation. There's a fair amount of that now, but we're at the point where we need a, a new larger station, and we're going to have some talks with the city to see if we can do that together down the road. So that's kind of where it's at. I don't think there's been any talk of a merger. There's, you know, our schools are in the same supervisory union. They're basically merged. Uh, So yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of cooperation that's been going on the last few years. Sounds like it. Now um, expansion of uh, fire and rescue services, is that, uh, an infrastructure issue, a population growth issue, or all of the above? Well, basically, our building, the vehicles that, you know, we have are, are they're pretty well crammed into our, our building, which is 50-odd years old. And, and uh, we had some issues last two winters ago during a windstorm with the roof blew off and we had to replace that uh, kind of temporarily because uh, 
it was an older roof, so we've been looking at a new building either in the same spot or at a, at a different location in the town to house our, all our equipment and, uh, you know, more room for training and for, our, you know, we're mostly a volunteer department, so um, we need space for training and to help with the recruitment of new folks, which is an issue all over the state now, so... Mm-hmm. And St. Albans Town Fire Department, is that uh, mostly volunteer or is that, uh, what's the... We have one full-time person at the station most of the time. Uh, and yeah, the rest of the crew is basically volunteer. You'd mentioned uh, sewer and water and that now the city and the town came to some agreement that town residents don't pay a a premium. Is there any plans to expand residential sewer and water in the town, uh, given that we're right on Lake Champlain and and maybe that that there's a polluting factor or not? Well, that's always a discussion. Um, If we have an area that we're, you know, we were just talking about housing, uh, that it would be our, our, uh, we would try to to, uh, expand water and sewer in those areas. Down by the lake, that's a pump situation where you would have to pump the sewage up to uh, the plant, which is up in the near the city, mm-hmm. so that's quite a mo- bit more of an extensive process. But that is, uh, you know, we've we have a number of conversations ongoing on that. So, yeah, if it comes to uh, uh, the need for some development, like uh, quite a few years ago, we extended the north end of town. We extended the sewer line out toward, well, we got Walmart out there now and quite a few businesses out on the north end of town. So we paid for an extension of the sewer line out that way. And we would look to do that to surrounding other surrounding properties uh, to expand housing. And we've got a sewer in the industrial park, too, which we uh, expanded that recently. So, yeah, that's a conversation that's ongoing. Now, municipal budgets are, uh, maybe this is my term, but going through the roof in many, uh, yeah. many places throughout Vermont. What, what are some of the factors there and, and what do you see for some, me, you know, mediation or, or whatever to sort of help the taxpayer? Well, uh, our budget. I think it's coming in at just under $7.2 million, which is the largest it's ever been. Some of the big factors, of course, are uh, health insurance for our staff, uh, things like pavement, road salt, fuel on the, on the uh, public work side. And, you know, salaries, uh, trying to keep up with cost of living and retain employees everything's just through the roof so as we went through the budget this year and 
you know, seriously trying to find places to cut. There just wasn't, you know, a lot of places to do that and still maintain the services that everybody wants. So it is what it is. Yeah, so a fixed cost issue. We keep it low as we could, but most of that stuff is completely out of our control. So you're running um, for to your seat. What what are some of your goals, Jack, for moving forward? Do you have any highlights of things you want to accomplish? Well, basically, make sure that the new police water and sewer agreement, which is supposed to kick in July 1st, gets off the ground smoothly. Uh, I mentioned the fire department possible uh, joint venture there. Um, uh, other than that, just try to get as much done as we can for as little as possible. And that's, you know, that's basically all I can put down as the goals for myself anyway. Yeah. Um, and when you're going, do you go out and, and do the, we've talked about in Joan, uh, Shannon in Burlington goes door to door and is, is that the kind of thing that you do a little bit of just to keep the pulse in the community or? <laughs> no, I, I don't do much campaigning. I'm not really a politician. I've been around long enough. To, you know, people know who I am. Uh, you, what you see is what you get, you know. Um, I've never been a big campaigner and it's just, uh, something I like to do, and, and if enough people think I'm doing a good job, I'll get back in. If not, I'll be on vacation. So, <laughs> Vacation means you're only going to work 70 hours a week with, with farming? Yeah, and probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else about, you know, St. Albans Town that, that you're proud of, uh, accomplishments from the past that you, you, you well, see? Well, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a great place to live, and my family, my kids all went to school here. Uh, we did, when I was on the school board, build a new, uh, expand our school, and and uh, I think that's a pretty decent school to, to attend. I mean, all my kids, most of them all went to college and got jobs, so it worked. Um we got a nice place down at the lake. It was an old state park that we've taken over years ago and turned it into a really nice place. To uh, we have uh, music there all summer, every every week, and vendors and farmers market uh, type of deal. And a lot of recreation. We've expanded our town forest. We've got trails, uh, mountain bike trails, walking trails all through. We got a hundred and some odd acres up there. We've had for years, and uh, we've turned that into a, a recreation destination. Yeah, you mentioned so, the bay, the bay park as really a a hub for community activity. We've got about a minute left. You probably but hang out there some, don't you? I I have, and I love I love yeah. the music. I love the uh, food, and I love seeing people who've been around for a long time. Yeah, that's that's. I go down and every night. The weather's good, and uh, every week when the weather's good, and uh, you see a lot of old friends, and uh, it, you know I, I get into conversations with the citizens, and they tell me things that. Maybe they wouldn't come to a meeting, but 
you know, you, you see these folks on the street and they give you opinions or thoughts, and I always keep that in mind. Yeah, that's your door-to-door there. Talking that's with Jack, Jack Brigham, we got about 20 seconds left. Uh, Jack is running for the uh, town council uh, select board and uh, for the two-year seat, March 5th election. Uh, Jack, thanks for sharing uh, a little bit of your life and times and uh, for joining me today on Vermont Viewpoint. Yep, you're welcome. Glad to do it. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV, uh, Waterbury, Vermont. Tomorrow, uh, St. Albans Mayor Tim Smith will be joining me, and then William Greer is going to be talking about uh, tobacco, uh, Senate Bill 18. I hope you have a great day. If you're off today, uh, enjoy, and uh, we'll talk with you tomorrow.